title of my Dharma talk is Generosity, the Gateway to Enlightenment. I asked Reverend Wongong if she thought the title was a little too dramatic, and she said, no, go for it. So, so I've been thinking a lot about generosity lately, in no small part because of the flood of donation requests that come in my mailbox this time of year. But I've been wondering, what does it mean to be truly generous? And how can we tell a generosity of spirit from a simple willingness to donate time or money? And how, really, does generosity fit into Buddhist practice? Well, in Buddhist philosophy, especially in Mahayana Buddhism, an ancient teaching is called the Six Paramitas. Paramita is a Sanskrit word, which is usually translated as perfection. And it has two possible origins or etymologies. The first derives from the word parama, which means highest, primary, most excellent. A more creative yet widely reported etymology suggests that the word para, meaning beyond or the farther shore, and the word mita, meaning that which goes, they combine together to mean that which goes beyond, or transcendence. That which goes beyond may sound familiar to you because that's what we chant at the end of the Heart Sutra. And the Heart Sutra is the Prajnaparamita, or the Wisdom Paramita. The Bodhisattva, great compassion when deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, came to this realization of emptiness, for example. Um, the six paramitas are thought to be perfections or virtues that when practiced provide a path to enlightenment. They are states of mind that enable us to see ourselves clearly and to help others skillfully. And they are variously translated, um, but usually as one, the generosity, two, morality or ethics, three, patience, four, effort, five, concentration, and six, wisdom or insight. <coughs> All of these paramitas are intrinsic to our true nature, but because our original nature can, come be cl can become clouded by the three poisons, remember what they are? Greed, Hatred and delusion, exactly. Um, we must develop these potential virtues or qualities in order to bring them into full expression. We could spend a week or more talking about the paramitas, but I want to concentrate today on just the first one, generosity. Interestingly enough, it is always listed first, and I think that's because it has a unique importance. In many commentaries on the six perfections, it is said to be the entryway to the Dharma. So, what does it mean to be generous? In Buddhist ethics, as in most religions, it's generally understood to mean a heartfelt willingness to share what we have with others in need. This means we are willing to give 
without hesitation, without conditions, our material wealth and possessions, our time and our talents, our love, our protection, and, our, and if the person is receptive, the Dharma and its teachings. In the practice of generosity, however, it's important to examine both our motivations and our methods. This is where skillful means comes in. Are we giving from a selfish desire for, rec for recognition or commendation? To manipul manipulate others in some way? Out of a need for love, power, or attention? Is our motivation heartfelt love? Is it a pure motivation of concern for others' well-being? A noted meditation teacher, some of you may have heard of, Sylvia Burstein, jokes that she asked her colleague, James Baraz, if he thought that she was practicing the paramita of generosity by cleaning out her closet and donating clothing in good condition to the Salvation Army. Her colleague replied, I think you're practicing cleaning out your closet. <laughs> Sometimes I find that when a visitor admires some object in my home, I immediately want to give it to them. But if I really think about it, it's, I realize it's because I just enjoy getting rid of stuff. True generosity is to give whatever we have joyfully and respectfully free of reluctance and free of any hint of derision towards the recipient. You know, sometimes we hear that term, the deserving poor or the undeserving poor, and it's just the poor. We must also strive to give what is needed and appropriate, not what is potentially harmful or useless. Likewise, we should avoid giving out of a sense of guilt or obligation. When we practice generosity, our soul thought should be the benefit of the recipient. Sometimes I think that I donate to the temple out of a sense of duty or fear that I would feel guilty if I didn't. And while I personally believe that guilt is a great, great motivator, especially when it comes to gym workouts, when it comes to temple donations, that sense of obligation robs me of the opportunity to truly realize my gratitude for all the benefits the temple community has given me. And of course, generosity can go two ways. If others want to help us and be generous, we shouldn't be proud and refuse gifts, thereby depriving the giver of the opportunity to manifest generosity. This is a particular problem of mine. My first impulse is to refuse a gift. And I think it comes from a bit of arrogance, oh, I don't need anything, as well as the desire not to feel an obligation to return the favor. These are things I really need to work on to overcome. The practice of generosity is certainly not limited to material wealth or possessions. Our time, our talents, our protection, and our love can all become gifts. As Reverend Wong Gong has often said, your smile can be a wonderful gift. My husband delivers meals on wheels, and as far as I can tell, his real gift is not food deliveries 
but rather his gift of sincere attention on a weekly basis to folks who are lonely and housebound. No matter where we are or what we're doing, we can start to develop a generous mind through mentally sharing everything we enjoy. The fresh air we breathe, the gorgeous sunsets we admire. The very definition of love is the wish for another person to be happy. Wishing that others could also enjoy everything that we do can be the basis for the next step where we actually act on that wish and give to others in need. When we give joyfully and with a pure motivation, generosity becomes a powerful force that secures our own and other people's prosperity and happiness. Well, while religion and philosophy are great, I always like to ask what science has to say about the topic. And in the field of neuroscience, there's been an interest in studying the effects of generosity on human happiness and well-being. At Notre Dame University, for example, there is something called the cent a center called the Initiative for the Science of Generosity. And two researchers there have recently written a book called The Paradox of Generosity, in which they detail some of their studies involving more than 2,000 participants over a five-year period. I mean, at a glance, it sounded like pretty good science. They interviewed and tracked the spending habits and lifestyles of families in different socioeconomic classes in 12 different states in the United States. It is one of the most comprehensive studies ever published about Americans' giving habits. They correlated higher levels of generosity in all classes of people with both mental and physical health, as well as general happiness. Using a variety of tools that included functional MRI testing, they found that practicing generosity involves neurochemical changes in the brain associated with pleasure. They also say that there is evidence that in order to be rewarding to the giver, generosity must be practiced with consistency. The authors conclude that generosity is simply a part of living well. Here is a quote from their book. Generosity, to be clear, is not identical to pure altruism, since people can authentically be generous in part for reasons that serve their own interests as well as those of others. Practicing generosity for the good of others also necessarily means that doing so achieves one's own long-term good as well. And so generosity, like all of the virtues, is in people's genuine, enlightened self-interest to learn and to practice. So how is generosity practiced in Wan Buddhism? One of the essential pillars of Wan Buddhism is called the Fourfold Grace. Master Soji San, our founding teacher, <clears throat> emphasized the recognition of grace or beneficence as a primary practice. And I think this gives generosity a kind of special place in Wan Buddhism. In, or in Wan Buddhist teachings, because generosity of both spirit and material wealth flows naturally out of gratitude. Wan Buddhism is what I call action-oriented, and Master Sote San clearly states 
that the recognition of, for example, the grace of heaven and earth impels us to respond in certain ways. He states, um, kind of paraphrasing here, but he states that the universe, that just as the universe supplies us with sun, earth, air, water, without thought and with total impartiality, so too should we harbor no concept or sign after rendering spiritual, physical, or material beneficence to others. No ego, no conditions, no signs should be attached to our giving. No patting ourselves on the back. Master Sote-san often urged his followers not to abide in the idea of having done good to others. That's one of the things I like about donating um, through automatic bank deductions. It lets me forget about the donation without forgetting to donate. In the chapter on Buddhahood, Master Sote-san states, where loving kindness and compassion reach, the ignorant minds of sentient beings melt, uh, begin to melt away into the mind of wisdom, and the mind of miserliness and greed melts away into the, into the mind of generous charity. I, I, I love that phrase, melts away into the mind of generous charity. The organization of one Buddhism has always emphasized the importance of both education and charitable work in addition to spreading the Dharma. And in Korea, it has founded schools, universities, nursing homes, and hospitals for the public. So I urge you all to think about generosity. Generosity to a wider world beyond self and family and to understand how it functions in your life. I know I'm trying to better understand the practice of true generosity in my life. I'd like to end with a quote from Master Sote-san. When humans bring up their offspring, they have in mind no false notion of bringing them up. That is why bringing a child up remains a great beneficence. Thus rendering favors to others becomes a great charity only if one has no notion of rendering favors in mind. In other words, just as we generously provide unconditional love, protection, and care for our children without expecting recognition in return, so too should we care for the world and all its beings. Thank you.